Hey guys, before we get started here, one of our great partners, Bojo's, is still doing takeout. They're offering 30% off of their takeout right now. You don't even need a code. You don't even need to say DNVR. Apparently, they're just giving it out. So 30% off all takeout orders for Bojo's right now. That offer is good at all six of their Colorado locations. DoorDash also delivers for Bojo's, so you can get it all over Denver. Remember, guys, it's the only place to get a true Colorado Mountain Pie. And Bojo's is one of our awesome partners. So if you guys want to support us in this time, support them as well. Uh, hit up some takeout from Bojo's if you're looking to switch it up from your home-cooked meal. Remember, you can get 30% off takeout orders for Bojo's at any of their six Colorado locations. What's going on, guys? Welcome into the DMVR Nuggets podcast. Harrison Wind and Brendan Vote here uh, coming to you after this DMVR watches of the Nuggets 106-105 win over the Mavs. Game three, the Nuggets are up 3-0 to zero in the series. Of course, we're presented by Illegal Pete's tonight. Airhorn, Airhorn, Airhorn. Airhorn, 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 yeah. Uh, this game, Brendan, man, this was a slog. This was an ugly game. Really, until like the last five minutes, I felt like. Yeah, I don't. I can't figure out if those five minutes make up for the third quarter yet, which has to have set a record for most fouls called in any sport over a twelve-minute period. The Nuggets were whistled for thirty-four fouls in this game, and yeah, I felt like thirty of those came in the third <laughs> quarter. Man, oh, this was a rough one. But there's you, been some rough moments this series, like especially with the starters. I feel like definitely, and I think part of why the rough moments were extended in this game was because the bench either didn't always have it or was in foul trouble. So when the starters really didn't have it, like that JR, that Birdman punch, you got a little bit of Birdman early, a little bit of JR late, but not much in between. And like you can see the absence of that was kind of the difference in this game and the blowout wins that they've had earlier in the run. Yeah, so real quick, what we'll do on today's show, we're going to go through this game three and it culminated in what is definitely one of the greatest shots in Nuggets franchise history. Oh, might be the greatest, Harrison. Might, might be, be the greatest. greatest. We'll, we'll talk about that and then get into some news on the uh, back half of the show. ESPN reporting that the Chicago Bulls have interest in interviewing Nuggets general manager Arturis Karnasovas uh, for their President of Basketball Ops opening, the Knicks might have some interest as well. So uh, we'll talk about that and just some other news around the league. The first note I have here, Brendan, Dirk's off-court issues. Dude. This was an unbelievable little news report to open this game. I completely forgot about this. Can you set the stage for anyone who may have missed the start or missed the game together? Yeah, so this was right before tip. The game hadn't even started yet. And um, who who was the sideline reporter for this game? Her name's uh, slipping my mind. Yeah, I kind of already – Nancy – Oh, Nancy Nancy, Lieberman. Nancy Lieberman, Lieberman, of course. The legendary Nancy Lieberman. She comes in with this report – that Dirk's legal team hired private investigators to look into his girlfriend's background, and they came up with findings that she was linked to 15 different aliases 
and had multiple existing warrants and was arrested at Dirk's house, I believe, two games or two days before game three. And then I looked it up. A couple months later, she was sentenced to five years in prison. So this took place right before game three. How many aliases? Fifteen. And only five warrants for her arrest. You need to... That doesn't make sense. Like, one alias per one warrant. I get it. Fifteen? Yeah, that ratio seems a little out of whack. <laughs> it seems a, she, I think she's just keen on changing it up. And I, yeah, the, I think Nancy also reported that the team had warned Dirk about this girl. Yeah. And that Dirk's legal team figured this out. I don't know what those arrests were for. But, yeah, it seems like um, like Dirk's happily married now and his wife seems pretty fly. But it looks like he learned some lessons the hard way getting to that place. Yeah, this was crazy, and I had totally forgotten about that as well. I mean, we were young. Like, I didn't really compartmentalize that stuff, I feel like. I was just really watching me. Yeah, Yeah, I was just really watching the games back then. But this was, like, a front-page headline, of course, on ESPN, Dallas Morning News. This was big news at the time, and um, I was just imagining how crazy that story would be, like, if we had to cover it. Well, we've covered some weird stuff this year, dude. At this we, point, we we're like well-equipped for almost anything. You know, that story reminds me of, was it Dwayne Wade, whose ex-wife, like, domestic, like, there was a domestic kidnapping situation during the playoffs? And I don't remember. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I just remember that. That's the only other situation that, like, stands out like this, where I'm like, dude, how is this person focusing on the playoff game? Right, right. Yeah, so that was a crazy way to start off the game. And then, um, man, the first quarter was a grind, I thought. Uh, 20 to 20 after the first quarter. The Nuggets didn't score a point until a Carmel Anthony free throw with 9.32 to go in the first quarter. So, like, two and a half minutes of zero points uh, for the Nuggets. The Mavs couldn't really pull away or get too much separation because, for some reason, they weren't getting Dirk the ball early in the yeah. first quarter and I couldn't really understand why but um Denver kind of survived I thought in the first quarter there are I think 3 to 4 stretches where Denver inexplicably survived where they were playing quite poorly I thought should have lost this game and Dallas just could not add to the lead and most of the first quarter is one of those stretches 6 of the 10 first 10 points for Denver came from mellow free throws and I believe Nene Billups and Mello were a combined 0 for 11 from the field to start the game. So not a great game from the starters, though we did get a very, very quick burst of some Birdman energy at the end of the quarter. Yeah, no surprise. He does it again. He came in, and I think uh, Doris Burke's line was he had five points and five rebounds and one block in his first three or four minutes of action. So just typical Birdman stuff compared to what he's done this series. But got it all out of the way early because I don't think he logged another stat going forward. Besides a personal foul. Yeah, he was in on the foul party. Six fouls in 11 minutes for Birdman, and most of those came in the third quarter. Uh, The ugly third quarter, as you put it earlier. The other side of the sword of of a very fun-to-watch shot blocker who can't stop jumping, blocks these shots from these unbelievable angles, is a guy who cannot stay on his feet to save his life. His sixth foul was hilarious to me in this game. Like, Nene had just picked up his fifth, There's like nine minutes left in the game. They need Birdman to eat two or three minutes. And he immediately bites on a layup and fouls a shooter. He just can't help himself, dude. There was that one. And then I believe it was his fifth foul where he just 
like took two hands to Brandon Bass's yeah. shoulder and just shoved him out of the way, and then was going berserk on the ref. And who was holding him back of, of anyone? Kenyon Martin. I was just going to say. That was a Kenyon Martin move in the first place to just toss someone just because yeah. you're feeling it. Yeah, so that that really was unfortunate for Denver because Nene gave Denver nothing in this game. Clearly his worst playoff game. He started 0 of 7, finished just 2 of 10 from the field, had five fouls as well. And um, I, I felt like even you know with Birdman having a pretty rough night, with Nene having a rough night, a big reason Denver was able to stay in this one was because it seemed like to me they kept getting a ton of clutch offensive rebounds. And, and Dallas just could not handle Denver on the offensive glass whenever Eric Dampier was not in the game. Like, Dirk really couldn't rebound. Yeah. Although he finished with a lot of rebounds, Denver was getting a lot of clutch offensive rebounds when he was in the game. Uh, Ryan Hollins, yeah, no chance. Denver was just able to kind of scrap in this one, I felt like. I mean, it's a big matchup problem for Dallas, right? I mean, they're bigs, like you said. It's Hollins, Dampier, and Dirk. Dirk can't guard. Dampier can't jump. Hollins probably shouldn't have a big role in games of this magnitude. And so, yeah, second chance points, points in the paint. Denver was just bigger and stronger and and more physical. Not afraid to hurt anyone, these Nuggets players. Yeah, so fast forward to the fourth, and I think Doris Brooke dropped the stat that the Nuggets were shooting like 28 or 30% or something late in the third, but Birdman fouls out. We got Johan Petro minutes late in the first half. Good Lord, guarding Dirk. I, I don't think he was expecting to enter the game there. I'll, I'll go out on a limb. Dirk immediately scored on Petro, and I, I think Doris Burke said, yeah, he was always going to shoot that, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, but I was just thinking to myself, man, it seems like the Nuggets are going to lose this game earlier in the fourth. I knew what the final score was going to be, but Denver just had no momentum. Birdman fouled out, Nene was on the bench with foul trouble. Dallas still couldn't rebound, but Chauncey made some big plays and Mello made some big plays. I'm glad you said that because I thought that the whole game, I, I haven't seen this game all the way through, and I really didn't know much about what happened I saw some tweets on the timeline halfway through, you know, can't believe the Nuggets win this game. I remember where I was when they won. And like right up, like with six minutes left in the game, I'm still sitting there thinking, are are you guys sure that they win this game? Because (laughs) it does not look possible. At one point late in the fourth, it looked almost mathematically impossible. But Dallas just could not put the final nail in the coffin. Yeah, so I want to get to what happened late in this fourth quarter. Also, the game winner by Melo. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this game, Melo hits a game winner. But I want to talk about that uh, in a second. First, though, got to mention that, uh, like I mentioned at the top of the show, Bojo is still open for takeout. So is Breck Brew, another one of our awesome partners. We are really asking you guys to support them if you're looking for a takeout meal here uh, while we are self-isolating. And they are still open. Their farmhouse is still open. They've got a special curbside pickup menu with a ton of great options. House-smoked chicken wings, those are awesome. Uh, Their Mm -hmm. Power Bowl is incredible. The chicken bacon ranch mac and cheese is awesome too. And they're also offering $5 off your food and beverage purchase when you use the code DNVR. Just say DNVR at the farmhouse. You can get those $5 off. So support Breck Brew. Uh, They've done a lot for us here over the last year or so. And yeah, we're trying to help them out in these hard times as well. 
Also, Manscaped. Uh, like you guys know, we've got a lot of time on our hands. I've been telling you guys this for the last week, but there's no excuse not to Manscaped right now. We're not doing anything during the day. We're at our houses, our apartments all the time. Just check out Manscaped. If you're not a member, this is a great time to get on board. I would recommend the Lawnmower 3.0. Comes with the new and improved lawnmower and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. It's a really good product. It's not some crappy knockoff razor. Manscaped is a really uh, good product. It's the right tool for the job, as they like to say. All right, we're back here on the DMVR Nuggets podcast presented by Illegal Pete's. So late in this game, I'm still thinking there's no way the Nuggets are winning this. Like, how are they going to win this game, even though I know the final score? Again, I mentioned this in the first quarter. Dallas is posting Jason Kidd up on Chauncey Billups. They're giving the ball to Josh Howard, who's just wildly driving to the hoop. They're not getting the ball to Dirk, and... I feel like that was a huge downfall from Dallas in this one. I don't know what Josh Howard was doing, man, in this <laughs> game. You you articulated it well. Wildly driving into the hoop seemed to be strategy one, two, and three. Um, I thought Dirk should touch the ball every time, although there were a handful of shots, man, that Dirk missed in the fourth that. Tough shots, but Dirk shots that I thought for sure were in when they left his hand. The kind of shots that in 2011 I don't think he missed one of. Um, and he definitely could have could have iced this game down the stretch, regardless of their approach. Yeah, but Dirk had 33 on 9-19 shooting, but missed a lot down the stretch. And maybe that's why Dallas went away from him, because I thought Kenyon Martin was really physical with him. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, really made it tough on him. Absolutely. Played as good as D as you can. I mean, the thing about those Dirk fadeaways is it's kind of like if he's really feeling it, it doesn't really matter where your hand is. But Martin did what he could, what he had to do. It was well defended, made it tough. And look, I think these are you know, some of the moments that informed that Dirk narrative. He's too soft. He's just a scorer. He's not a championship caliber player. I've had so much fun re-watching this with the context and knowledge, knowing that just two years later... He goes on one of the best individual runs of all time um, because you know he was getting killed for his performance down the stretch of this game and up until this point in his career. Yeah, so how this fourth quarter transpired, uh, Denver was down two points with about 30 seconds to go. That's where we'll pick it up here. Melo goes right to the hoop. Great straight line drive, gets all the way to the cup. The Mavs call timeout, and there's like a four-second differential between the shot clock and the game clock. And George Carl doesn't foul, which I, I thought was a great move looking back yeah. on it. I felt feel like a lot of coaches would foul in that situation. But, hey, I think he just really trusted his team's defense. And he probably had a feeling that the Mavs were going to try to go to Dirk, which they did. And I think George Carl was just confident in Kenyon Martin's ability to put up a good fight. And that's exactly what happened. Dirk missed a foul line jumper. Really good defense from Kmart. And then the sequence that evolves next, we were talking about it before we started recording, maybe one of the greatest shots in Nuggets history. Okay, first of all, we got to talk. Did he foul? Yes, this was <laughs> definitely a foul. I cannot believe the officials missed this call. The official closest to the play was not in a good 
not did not have yeah. a good angle on it. He was kind of behind Antoine Wright when he was trying to reach around to foul Mello. I can see how he didn't see it, but I felt like another official would have had to come in and just help him out. I definitely felt like it was a foul, but Antoine Wright could have wrapped up a little more. He goes to foul him, makes contact. It was a foul, and then kind of pulls his arm back, his arms back. Like I'm not trying to foul. I don't really know why he did that. And Rick Carlisle's on the sidelines screaming. He fouled. He fouled. But you're right. Like that that foul in that situation should have been like a 100 percent buy in, get your money's worth. Well, yeah, um, and and what happens in those situations? Dallas knows they have a foul to give. Rick Carlisle definitely told his guys, yes, give the foul. The officials, while both teams are in their timeout, the officials are talking to each other and saying, okay, Dallas has a foul to give here. Be on the lookout for that foul. The officials know a foul might be coming. So it's always crazy when they just miss a call like that when Dallas is trying to take the foul there. Yeah, you got to wonder if this happens in the tiny green light era of basketball. Does Dallas mm. challenge? Does Dallas win this game? That's a great that do, point. What does that do to this series? You know, I mean, it's like it's a big what if because you go up three zero. It's the series is pretty much over. But the flip side of that is down to one with another game at home and a completely different mindset going forward. So a total sliding doors moment in Nuggets history and Mavs history. Mavs probably would look at that moment as a real bitter one, a real black eye in the Dirk years, if not for what went right two years later. That's a great point. I didn't even think about that. I would have to think this call would definitely get reversed and that foul would be called. I have to think. So that was blatant enough to get a foul call, I believe, if it Uh, was going to get reviewed. And then, yeah, the momentum in the series, you never know. Can you imagine, though, having to be a ref? and over call like on replay call a foul to take away a game winning shot in the playoffs like what a what a tough spot to be in yeah what i want to go back and look at mark cuban's tweets from early may 2009 first of all doris burke had the line of the night i don't remember what the context was but i think she said oh he's gonna be tweet twittering about that or tweeting (laughs) or whatever it is (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we had another couple of great Twitter ads in this one. Incredible, dude. Tweet, like the, retweet, at, reply, what does it all mean? <laughs> they all try to sound so above it. And it's like, all of you MFers are on Twitter, man, 10 years later. Yeah. We all are, I guess. I'm above nothing. <laughs> yeah, so Melo obviously hits the three and pretty much ends the series. I mean, up 3-0. That's not a uh, deficit you come back from unless you're LeBron James. Uh, But, yeah, that pretty much ended the series. But, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, if that foul call was made, I still think the Nuggets probably win the series. But, I mean, it's probably not over in five games, you know. Definitely not over. It's a big moment. I think we should talk more about the shot itself. Sure. Do you want to hit another break? Um, let, let's talk about the shot and then, uh, and then we can hit another break. Right, my bad. I won't, I won't host for you. That's my bad. <laughs> what else stuck out to you about the shot though? Well, yeah, just the shot itself. I and mean, we, we talked a lot about the no call, but what a cold blooded shot, man. Oh yeah. I, I've, I've spent a lot of time. I mean, we have in these rewatch on these pods kind of hammering mellow, not being quite what he was talked up to be, or we remember him to be or whatever. What an incredible shot, cold-blooded, and 
you alluded to this earlier in the show, one of, if not the best shot in Nuggets history when you consider how rarely they're in a spot like that, such high leverage in that game. Yeah, it was absolutely cold-blooded. And Melo needed that shot. He needed that because he was 9-24 of in this game. Yeah. I thought for uh, most of this game, another underwhelming performance from Carmelo Anthony in this playoffs, he needed this. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. That's a great take. And he got it. And so I don't know if, you know, you know better than I, but like what this does to his confidence going forward. But as we rewatch more closely, it's something I'm interested to watch because there were a couple of moments. I think we talked about in round one when George Carl talked about Melo closing the door and him saying, I think he's really proud of how he's playing right now, finally taking Denver to the second round. And then this shot, there are just a couple of moments that Melo really needed not just in the micro, but in the macro, in his career, you know, and in hindsight now, we know some of these are essentially his peaks in his career. Yeah, and like 9 of 24 for Melo in this game, Chauncey had a very quiet 32 points, I felt like. Watching this game, I did not think he had 32. Quiet's the right word. It was a very steady Chauncey, although slow start. He was kind of a non-factor in that first quarter, but um, how big was he in the second half? And he and Nene making some great plays down the stretch. Him finding Nene a couple times in some really crucial moments down the stretch. Yeah, Chauncey had that one sequence where he like fed Nene on a freaking rope. And Nene wasn't even expecting the ball. Like right under the basket, oh, he yeah. kind of bobbled it. Rifled it back out to Chauncey, who just like shot fake God's defender up in the air. And then I think he uh, shoveled it over the JR, who had a three. But that was just like an unbelievable sequence from Chauncey. Chauncey is such a workhorse, man. You know, there are these moments where he's tired, where he's been grinding all game. And you just see how hard he works to just manufacture a good look. Uh, just a stud. If you're a coach, he's a dream come true, I'd have to imagine. Yeah. But Nuggets just did not get much from really anybody else. Uh, Kenyon Martin, 12 points, which is good from him. And, you know, Dirk did have 33, but I felt like Kmart played Really good defense on Dirk when it mattered. Nene was mostly quiet until that big basket late in the fourth. Dante Jones didn't do much. JR had a rough night. Anthony Carter won a six from the field. I feel like he might finally start to trend downward after he's been really good so far. He also blew the highlight of the night when Birdman went behind the back oh, after yeah. the feed from Kmart. And inexplicably, Carter reverses it despite having a wide open lane to the hoop. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Let's see. What other notes do I have from this one? Oh, yeah. Gerald Green subbed in in uh, the first quarter, I believe, for his first real minutes of the series. And this is like a got to be a rookie or second year Gerald Green right out of high school. I oh, believe. God, I gotta look that up. Gerald Green, man, was a very, very fun guy to watch. In 10 years, no one will talk about Gerald Green, rightfully so. But YouTube is hot, his dunk reels sometimes, man. This guy's a stud. Gerald Green, the forgotten fifth player uh, in the trade for Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez. Oh, the for- <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he He's immediately did, waved, right? Did, did the Nuggets ever make a jersey like the Hawks made for Carmelo? I wonder. Uh, Nuggets <laughs> legend. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, but then he, Doris Burke and uh, I forget who was doing play-by-play, but they didn't even know his name. 
they were like, and a three from the corner is missed. <laughs> he he was, oh five. He was drafted. So this is like a a, a very young Gerald. Yeah, uh, Carmelo had one of the absolute worst closeouts I've ever seen in oh, the first man. half. In did a you, really important situation, right? Yeah. Did you catch that one in transition to the corner? Yes. It was so lazy. That was like a mar- early March where the two seed close out. Oh, that was so bad. I'm glad you brought that up. That was so bad. Um, apparently, there's no way this is right. But J.R. Smith, quote, got a couple votes for Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> there's absolutely <laughs> to, no way. We got to fact check this. I don't know if that's possible. But I'm going to do some Googling because I call... Um, horse shit on that. Excuse the French. There's absolutely no way. Um, yeah, that's all I've got here on my uh, my notebook. Oh, I just wanted to say, I know he struggled in this game, but a couple of really graceful finishes down the stretch. I just didn't remember Nene. Nene is such a capable offensive player. You know, he wasn't like... Because in the latter stage of his career, he was such a, a, a confined role player. But, like, man, this dude had some really nice finishes. Yeah, he was quick. He had yeah. quick feet under the hoop. You know, not always the most fundamentally sound. Like, he a traveled a bunch. Yeah, traveled a bunch. Bad but, one in this game. Yeah, but he was just so much quicker than most of the guys he was going up against. Also, I could really go for a couple of this right now. Do you have any brewing there, Brendan? Any Strava brewing on the pot? Because I could definitely go for some right now. Yeah, not right now, but I already can't wait for the morning. I have them in the Keurig pods right now. Yeah. Uh, nice and easy. I, convenience is important to me during a quarantine. That's like the best part of the morning, waking up with a cup of Strava. If you guys want to check them out, you can purchase Strava Craft Coffee online for 20% off using the code DNVR20. Of course, Strava Craft Coffee is packed with CBD, which is non-psychoactive, been known to help cure long-term migraine, decrease anxiety, arthritis, IBS, etc. And you guys can get it online for 20% off using the code DNVR20. Another one of our awesome partners. So I help those guys out too in this time. All right, back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast. Harrison Wynn and Brendan Vogt presented as always by Illegal Pete's Home of the Stir. So, just wrapped up, Nuggets 106-105 over the Mavs, a 3-0 series lead for Denver. I mean, this series is a wrap, right? Everybody knows it. Cuban knows it. Well, at Carlisle this point, knows it. At this point in history, it is still the case that 100% of teams with a 3-0 lead win the series. So, <laughs> it, it's a wrap. It's unthinkable. It's absolutely unthinkable. It'll never happen. Wait. Yeah, but... um. Man, we, I guess we do have to sit through game four of this one next week, huh? It is a clean sweep, right? Am I remembering that correctly? No, De- Denver loses game four. Bro. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Fun. That's going to be a really fun DNVR watches. Denver loses game four. We'll get to that. And um, actually, it, it's pretty funny because the box score from that game uh, is very like vintage Carmelo, I think, for the season, for the series that he's having. We'll just just leave it at that, and we'll we'll okay. get back to that. All right. Uh, some other news that we want to get to as we wrap up here. ESPN reporting 
this morning, Friday morning, that the Chicago Bulls are going to seek to interview Nuggets general manager Arturis Karnasovas. There was also a report that linked him to the Open Knicks president of basketball operations job. You know, Arturis has been linked and interviewed a bunch of places over the last couple of years. He, he was a finalist for the Brooklyn Nets GM right. job that went to Sean Marks. Philadelphia wanted to interview him before they hired Elton Brand. He declined that interview. Milwaukee, right? Yeah, he was a finalist for the Milwaukee job. Uh, if you remember that, like GM search was crazy. I think him and Justin Zanuck were finalists, and then they just decided to hire internally and hire John Horst, which seems like a pretty good hire. But you know, he he's been inter- he's interviewed for these gigs before, and he's got a lot of interest. So I mean, I wasn't really surprised that no. his name surfaced here. Were you? Not at all. And at a certain point, just talking off speculation, his name can only come up so many times before you start to wonder seriously, not really if, but when. You know, Arturis is a guy that's good enough to have the lead role, call the shots, um, experienced enough. Teams are obviously interested. And, you know, I don't know precisely what he's paid, but we know Denver doesn't always pay their front, front office executives the most. So, uh, you know, eventually that right offer will come along and, and it Chicago being interested is is not a surprise at all. Oh, and he'll he'll get a big bump in pay if it's yeah. Chicago or the Knicks. Yep. You know, like that is going to be a big time raise if he gets one of those jobs and if he does interview. Uh, but he Arturis is a, is a high level executive, like super well respected throughout the league. Obviously, has deep rooted European connections. Uh, just. Uh, very highly regarded for his scouting, instrumental in building this Nuggets roster. And I'm with you. It's only going to be a matter of time until he gets one of these jobs. The Chicago job, I I honestly feel like he's a really good fit for. Chicago has a huge population, a huge Eastern European and Lithuanian population. He's obviously a Lithuanian legend, played on that national team for a while. So that one seems like a, a natural fit. But the thing about both of these openings, Brendan, is that these are some big time openings. Like this isn't the GM yeah. job for the Phoenix Suns. Yep. You know, yep. like Chicago and the Knicks, those are two big market teams with two ownership groups that are probably going to pay out a nice chunk of change for their top basketball operations executive. So th- these are some big time jobs that I'm sure a lot of very well respected execs are going to be interested in. Similar jobs too, in that outside of a very big blemish on on the job, which is ownership, two incompetent ownership groups, you've got really, really great jobs, as you just said. Big markets, who doesn't want to live on a nice salary in New York and Chicago? Um, a place where you can really make your na- a name for yourself if you're able to establish any sort of successful rebuild. So yeah, these are, you have to think like, okay, it was nice that he showed loyalty to Denver, wasn't that interested in Milwaukee, but it's a different deal when Chicago comes knocking, New York comes calling. And so I, I am half prepared for him to take either job. Yeah, it only seems like a matter of time. But the thing is, it's got to be the right job because you get the sense that he would only leave for what he deemed like the right fit, you know? Yeah, but you just have to, like, I mean, is the right fit just a team that's willing to pay you enough, right? And a right team where it would be 
a lot of fun to be a part of something successful, a lot of history in a place like Chicago. You know, I don't know what constitutes the right fit to Arturis, but the more years that go on where he and Tim are in this sort of dynamic, the more he may feel entitled to to calling the shots somewhere else himself. It was funny because when he was a finalist, I believe it was for the Milwaukee job, that was the most recent one, Josh Kroenke stepped up to the plate and elevated Tim Conley, <clears throat> president of basketball operations from general yeah. manager, and elevated Arturis, who was the assistant GM at the time, to general manager, bumped up both their pay, and that's a big reason why they were able to keep Arturis in Denver. There's no other jobs that they can, or no other titles that they can make up and elevate these guys to now. You know? I don't think they're matching. I don't think they're matching a big deal, a big offer. So yeah, I mean, it's yeah. there's only so long you can sort of like. It's such a fortunate position to have two qualified guys in the sort of one-two slots the way Denver does, but you can only hold on to that for so long. So I wish Adam was on with us tonight because I wanted to talk about his Jokic tweet. Dude, he set Twitter on fire. Very irresponsible, Adam. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I mean, you can connect the dots with that if you want. Uh, like Arturis is a big reason why Jokic is in Denver, first of all. Uh, they have the European connection. Would you know Jokic, who can be a free agent in 2024, he has three years left on his deal after this season, uh, the deal that he signed a couple of years ago. Would it be under consideration? Would Chicago be a threat to poach poach Jokic in free agency if Arturis is running the basketball operations department there? Look, that's three years away. I think we got a long time before that. Look, man, here's how I see it. Jokic doesn't know what he's having for dinner tomorrow night. So I'm not going to sweat what Jokic is thinking for 2024. I think that's a good way to put it. I think that's a good way to put it. But no, I understand what Adam was doing. You draw the dots, you know. Hey, it's there's no basketball, okay? So let's put our tinfoil <laughs> hats on, get paranoid. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, another piece of news to come across, and um, I feel like we could see uh, this happen to a bunch of different teams and uh, groups throughout the league, but the uh, Utah Jazz are cutting back their non-basketball personnel and some employees are taking salary reductions and the jazz are one of approximately 80 companies this is according to espn within the larry h miller group which confirmed the layoffs as quote a small percentage of our workforce in a statement on friday afternoon uh this is scary stuff i feel like this could happen to a lot of different other different teams and franchises throughout the league it's a bummer it's a bummer and i don't know what their sheets look like what their money situation is in terms of assets versus money they can actually spend and that's available to them but you know it's just a bummer anytime you see a working class workforce get cut by an ownership group that you know in theory has a lot of money so i'm not speaking for them i don't know if they could have afforded to hang on to these individuals it's unfortunate one way or another. It's an ugly reality, not just in sports, but virtually every industry right now. But it's just a bummer. There's so much money in this league. Um, you'd like to think that that there's enough to go around even in times like these. But perhaps I'm just naive to a darker reality. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough time where obviously, you know, the sports world is obviously getting hit hard with no sports. 
other industries are experiencing similar difficulties. Like if you're in sales, no companies are buying right now. Dude. Like you, there, there's nobody spending money right now. So, I mean, this is impacting everybody across the board. I've got a good friend who worked at a, a basically a third-party travel agency. They scheduled itineraries for CEOs. Oh, the company man. dissolved overnight three weeks ago. It's scary out there, man. It definitely is. Uh, on a brighter note, or maybe not a brighter note, did you watch any of the 2K tournament tonight? Yeah, I watched five minutes of it before I moved on with my night because I'm an adult. And I don't have time for something that they put so little time into, man. Yeah, I was disappointed with the production. Disappointed with the production. Disappointed with the entertainment value. I did see that, and this was going on while we were doing DNVR watches. I think the uh, Pat Beverly game was at least watchable because Pat at least talked some trash. But I tuned in for the opening matchup, Kevin Durant against Derek Jones Jr., and then I uh, tuned out about uh, five <laughs> minutes later. I'm going to be honest, man. I get paid to watch sports. I don't know if you could pay me to watch Kevin Durant play Derek Jones Jr. in 2K. Kevin Durant's talking all this trash. Like, what has Kevin Durant been doing the whole season? He was trash at 2K. Uh, this. I thought he would at least be getting his 2K game up and Derek Jones comes in and just smashes him in round one. It's actually hilarious to me that Kevin Durant is not good. Something about that feels poetic. All right. I think that's all the time we got for tonight. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll continue the DNVR Watches series next week. Talk to you guys then. Hey guys, before we get out of here, Green Mountain Dental in Lakewood is giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush. All you got to do is schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. They've been a partner of ours for a while, and they're only 15 minutes from downtown Denver. The first step to good health is, of course, taking care of your mouth. Get rid of those crappy $2 toothbrushes that you're picking up from the grocery store every couple of weeks. Make the switch to an electric toothbrush. Make the switch to a Sonicare. It's a really nice brand, a really nice electric toothbrush, and you can get a free one when you schedule a cleaning x-ray exam from Green Mountain Dental Group today.